I know we all like different styles of music, different types of music, but I just got to say to you, if that song doesn't light up your heart, maybe, just maybe, your knowledge of Jesus hasn't made its way from your head to your heart. Because I believe that when we are in eternity with our Lord and our Savior, for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, we're just going to be bowing down at that throne, singing all hail King Jesus. We're going to lose all track of time because we are so in love and so in awe of him. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 19. We're, we're finishing up our series this morning that we've called Faces from the cross. And I want to remind you where we are in the story. Jesus has been arrested by the religious leaders. He has been brought before the high council and the high priest, and he has been accused of blasphemy. And, and now the high council, the Sanhedrin, have brought Jesus before Pilate, demanding that he put to death. Now, when Pilate begins to talk to Jesus, he realizes very quickly that Jesus hasn't done anything wrong, that Jesus is a good man. He certainly isn't deserving of death. And so Pilate tries to free Jesus. But the crowd begins to yell out, crucify him, crucify him. So Pilate had this custom every Passover, he would release one criminal, one, one convict, one person that was about to die. And, and he brought out Barabbas, this convict, this hardened criminal, this murderer, this, this, this mafia mob boss. And he had Barabbas on one side and Jesus on the other side. And he said, who do you want me to release, Barabbas or Jesus? And because the religious leaders had so worked up the crowd, they began to yell out, release Barabbas, release Barabbas. And Pilate said, what do you want me to do with Jesus? And they all crucify him. And so Barabbas was released, and Jesus was flogged. He was whipped without mercy until his body was ripped open. Then the soldiers took a purple robe and put it on Jesus, and they took a crown of thorns and they thrust it on his head, and, and then they began to beat him with this, this reed rod, and they would spit on him, and they would mock him, and they would kick him and make fun of him. And then they took Jesus, and they marched him to that hill called the place of the skull, Golgotha. And they nailed him to that cross. A cross that had literally been made for Barabbas. You see, Jesus died on the cross 
that was made for Barabbas. He died in Barabbas' place. But what you need to understand is he died in your place as well, and he died in, in my place as well. Now when Jesus was being taken through the city and he was marched outside the city to this place of crucifixion, the Roman soldiers got this man called Simon of Serene to carry the cross of Jesus. And Simon was a, a Jew from northern Africa that was in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover with his family. Most likely he had never heard about Jesus until he arrived in Jerusalem on this trip. He was going to the temple most likely to worship, but he got caught up in the crowd. And while he had gotten caught up in that crowd, a Roman soldier pulled him out of the crowd and forced him to carry the cross of Jesus through the streets of the city, outside the city gate, to that place of crucifixion. But something that, that could have been a horrifying moment became a heavenly moment. Because history seems to reveal that, that Simon's life was forever changed by that encounter with Jesus. And not only was his life changed, but his wife's life was changed. And his child's life was changed that day because he met Jesus. I imagine as Jesus looked into the face of Simon, Jesus probably thought, you're about to carry my cross. But I'm about to die on your cross. When they nailed Jesus to that cross, there were two criminals, one on each side of Jesus. These men were hardened criminals, deserving of death. And while they were hanging there, they mocked Jesus and made fun of Jesus, along with the crowd and along with the Roman soldiers. But as they hung on those crosses, something happened to one of those criminals. His heart began to soften. His heart began to change. And at some point as they were on those crosses, he cried out to Jesus, acknowledging that he was guilty, asking Jesus for mercy. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. He acknowledged his sin. He cried out to Jesus for mercy, and Jesus gave him eternal life. Did he deserve it? Absolutely not. But do you deserve eternal life? No. Neither do I. None of us deserve the gift of forgiveness, the gift of God's grace. But God freely offers it to all of us. But it wasn't only that, that criminals whose life was changed that day. There was a Roman centurion there who was responsible for the crucifixion. He may have been the one who, who whipped Jesus without mercy. We don't know. But we do know that he was the one who was responsible for the crucifixion. While Jesus hung on that cross, as he watched Jesus, as he listened to Jesus, and he saw Jesus breathe his last breath, something happened. And this hardened soldier who had saw people die gruesome deaths many times before. This Roman soldier who had pledged allegiance to Caesar as his Lord and his God now looked up at Jesus who had died on that cross and he said, surely, truly, without a doubt, this is the Son of God. This is God in the flesh. His life was changed. But today I want to look at the last face from the cross. And that's the face of Joseph of Arimathea, the one who, 
who gave Jesus his tomb. So if you have your Bibles open to John chapter 19, I want you to follow along as I begin reading in verse 38. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. The words are going to be on the screen. But listen to God's word. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought 75 pounds of perfumed ointments made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices and long sheets of linen cloth. The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now all four Gospels tell us the story of Joseph of Arimathea. But each of these Gospels give us different details to help us better understand who Joseph was and, and how Jesus impacted his life but what I want us to focus on this morning is the fact that Joseph made three decisions about Jesus and each of those decisions impacted him at different times in his journey with Jesus his first decision was this he made a decision to follow Jesus both Matthew and Luke's gospel tell us that Joseph became a follower. Joseph became a disciple of Jesus. But the question I have to ask is why? Why did Joseph make a decision to follow Jesus? Because, I mean, Joseph had everything. He was rich. Matthew tells us that. The word that Matthew uses means abounding. It means full of. In other words, Joseph was very rich. He lacked nothing. He could have anything that money could buy. And yet, in spite of all of his wealth, in spite of all of his fortune, something was missing in his life. I've discovered that some people come to Jesus today because they don't have anything, and they think that if they come to Jesus, Jesus will give them everything. Some people call that a, a prosperity gospel, a health and wealth gospel. You come to Jesus, and he will make you healthy and wealthy. But Joseph was already wealthy. Joseph didn't need for Jesus to give him money. He already had it, and yet something was missing in his life. But Joseph was not only wealthy, rich, he was religious. He was a member of the high council. Most likely he was a Pharisee. The, the high council was made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. And Joseph was most likely a Pharisee. The reason is because he was friends with Nicodemus, another Pharisee. And Pharisees were the most religious people of their day. If anyone took their faith seriously in Jesus' day, it was the Pharisees. They believed that the Bible was the literal word of God. But they not only believed it, they practiced it. So he would read the scriptures every day. He would pray every day. He tithed. 
but he not only tithed, he gave money to the poor. He would worship God every single Sabbath. Joseph was a religious man, and yet something was missing. Something was lacking. Joseph was rich, he was religious, and he was powerful. The Bible tells us that he was an honored member of the council. Now, the Sanhedrin was made up of 70 men who ruled Jewish life. But Joseph wasn't just a member of the council. He was an honored member of the council. He was in the inner circle. He was a mover and shaker. He had connections. Joseph knew how to get things done. And yet, with all of his power, with all of his connections, he was missing something. Something was lacking, but that's not all. Joseph was not only rich and religious and powerful, Joseph was good. Luke tells us that, that Joseph was a good, righteous man. Now, in every one of us, know of people who are religious that aren't good. I mean, there are people who are religious who are evil, wicked people. I mean, every now and then we hear about religious leaders whose secret lives, secret sins are exposed. But there were no skeletons in Joseph's closet. There were no secret sins that were hidden in Joseph's life. He was a good, moral upright man and yet something was missing Joseph was lost and he knew something was missing both Mark and Luke's gospel tell us that he was eagerly looking for the kingdom of God you, you see Joseph knew there was something more he knew that the Messiah was to come and when the Messiah would finally come the Messiah would make every thing new he would settle every problem he would solve every hurt he would take away every pain Joseph really believed that and he was looking seeking he was open to seeing the Messiah and when he met Jesus he realized that Jesus was the one he had been looking for I want you to listen there is only one that can give you what you're looking for in life, and that's Jesus. You're not going to find what you're looking for in money and wealth and riches. You're not going to find it in religion. You're not going to find it in power. You're not going to find it in moral goodness, and you're not going to find it in relationships or anything else. The only thing that will fill the void, the emptiness in your life is not a thing, it's a person, and that person is Jesus. And until you have a relationship with Jesus, there will be something missing in your life. Joseph knew deep down inside something was lacking. And so when he met Jesus, he realized what was lacking, and he became a follower. He became a disciple of Jesus. It was the most important decision of his life up until that point. Decision number one, he became a follower of Jesus. Decision number two, he made the decision to keep his faith private. John tells us that Joseph was a secret disciple. That word secret there is the Greek word krupto. It's the word we get our word 
crypto from. Crypto means secret allegiance. That's what the word means. And so in other words, Joseph had a secret allegiance to Jesus. He had an allegiance. He was loyal, but he kept it to himself. And the reason he kept it to himself was because he feared the Jewish leaders. He was a Jewish leader, and yet he feared the Jewish leaders. But he wasn't the only one. I want you to listen to what it says in John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. It says, many people did believe in Jesus, including some of the Jewish leaders. But they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. I've discovered that we keep our faith private for a variety of reasons. Some of us keep our faith private for fear of what someone will say to us. They may make fun of us. They may mock us. They may ridicule us. They may say hateful things to us. And so we keep our faith inside. We keep it private. Our faith is a private thing. For others of us, we're afraid of what people will do to us. They may not be our friend anymore. We may not get that job that we want to get if they know that we really love Jesus. They, they may persecute us. In some parts of the world, if you come out and acknowledge your faith in Jesus, you could be put to death. And some people just will never publicly confess their faith in Jesus because they're afraid of what other people will do. But then there are others who are silent because their faith isn't real. It's in their heads, but their faith has never made its way to their hearts. You see, these people have never truly been changed. I want you to listen. If it's easy to stay silent and keep your faith hidden, then something is wrong. Understand, it is a dangerous thing to keep your faith private. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, everyone who acknowledges me publicly, here I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Did you get that? We acknowledge Jesus publicly, and what does he do? He acknowledges us before the Father. But that's not all Jesus said. Listen to what he said. He said, but everyone who denies me here on earth, I will deny before my Father in heaven. Did you get that? Jesus said, if we deny him here on this earth, he's going to die, deny us before the Father. Now, some of you may say, I'll, I'll never deny him. I'll never say, I don't know him. But you need to understand that by your silence, by your life, you can be denying Jesus. If your faith is real, I want you to listen. If your faith is real, there will be a crisis moment that will make you go public. You cannot keep legitimate, life-changing faith hidden. Luke tells us that Joseph did not agree with the decision of the high council. But the gospels never tell us that 
that Joseph spoke out. It just says he did not agree with it. Some traditions say that, that Joseph and Nicodemus hid in the tomb while Jesus was being put to death on that cross. Joseph never spoke out for Jesus until he died. The decision to follow Jesus, the decision to stay silent, but finally the decision to go public. You see, Jesus' death gave Joseph and Nicodemus, who was another secret disciple, the courage to take a public stand. Now understand, if Joseph had not gone to Pilate to request the body of Jesus, Jesus would have been thrown into a common grave, a pit, with every other criminal that died. His body would have rotted there. But when Jesus died, something happened to Joseph. He couldn't keep silent any longer. He had to go public. And Joseph proclaimed his faith boldly. Mark tells us that he went boldly to Pilate. He could have lost his life by going to Pilate. When he went to Pilate boldly, he most likely was going to be kicked out of the synagogue. But he didn't care anymore. Mark goes on and tells us that he went to Pilate and begged for Jesus' body. This doesn't mean that he was cowering. What it means is that when Joseph went to Pilate asking for the body of Jesus boldly. He continued to request until Pilate said, yes, you can have the body of Jesus. He loved Jesus so much that finally the death of Jesus caused him to take a public stand. But he not only boldly proclaimed his faith, he sacrificially proclaimed his faith. His and Nicodemus' decision to, to get Jesus' body would keep him from celebrating Passover, which was the biggest day in Jewish life. You see, when Joseph and Nicodemus touched the body of Jesus, they would have been defiled. They would have become unclean. And they would have to separate themselves from the community for a period of time. And so they would not be able to celebrate Passover with everyone else. But not only that, when they came for the body of Jesus, showing that they were followers of Jesus, they would be kicked out of the synagogue. They would be removed from the Sanhedrin. Their property and their wealth and everything else could be taken from them because of their stand for Jesus. But that didn't stop them because they loved Jesus and now they were taking their faith publicly. And they extravagantly proclaimed their faith. The, the, the tomb that Joseph gave to Jesus, once he gave that tomb to Jesus for Jesus' body to be buried, it couldn't be used by anyone else. He was giving up his family's burial plot. The spices that were used to, to put on the body of Jesus, these were expensive spices. But no price was too great. No sacrifice was too much because Joseph loved Jesus. And finally, he was going public. 
what about you? What about your faith? I want you to watch this video. A video that helps us understand what what Joseph must have thought that day. My father once told me, privilege is the power to open doors in my life. However, that all changed the day I met a man who had great power, but denied all privilege. He didn't ride in with fanfare and processional. He didn't ride in at all. He walked like everyone else. But he wasn't like everyone else. He touched the people that no one else would even look at. He ate meals with people that others felt only disdain for. Over time, I came to know him. Yeah, I followed him at a distance. I didn't speak up when they talked nonsense about him. I thought I loved him. But I wouldn't even step out of the shadows to follow him. My fear kept me paralyzed. Can I stay in the shadows any longer? Afraid of what people will think of me? He's dead. On that cross at Golgotha. His body just hanging there. Waiting for a soldier to take him down. And throw him in a pit to be buried with criminals. But I will not let that happen. Pilate could kill me just for asking for the body. It may cost me everything. If I get Pilate's permission, then I will go get his body and place it in my tomb. I must I must do this one thing for him. At least this one thing. This is my tomb where I was supposed to be buried. And today, it will be used. Jesus will fill up the grave meant for me. Little did Joseph know that day when he gave his tomb to Jesus that Jesus would only use it for two nights. Little did he know that that Jesus would defeat sin and death by being resurrected from the grave. Joseph's empty tomb that he believed was be visited by by generations to come to to look at a stone in front of that tomb and weep was not a tomb with a stone rolled in front that brought weeping it was a tomb that the stone was rolled away that brought rejoicing you see it's an empty tomb 
It's a tomb that brings us life and brings us hope and can bring us everything we're looking for in life. Listen, I want you to understand that life, the life that you're looking for, it's not going to be found out there somewhere. It's going to be found in Jesus. And if you've never humbled yourself and given your heart and life to Jesus, my question to you this morning is why, why not? Why haven't you humbled yourself and asked Jesus to forgive you and ask him to save you? Because he loves you. He cares for you. And he will give you the life that you were meant to live. But you have to choose it. There are probably some of you here today who have never made that choice. Maybe you're religious. Maybe you know the facts. Maybe you can even quote verses like Felicia. But your life hasn't been changed. Kind of like Dallas's life wasn't changed. But today, you're ready to acknowledge that you need Jesus and you're willing to humble yourself and give your life to him. If that's where you are, we're going to give you the chance to do that in a minute. But then there may be others of you who have never publicly professed your faith in Jesus. You've never come out and, and come public for Jesus. Even though he died for you, you've kept silent about him. The Bible tells us the way that we, we acknowledge him, we confess him publicly, first of all, is through baptism. That's the first step of publicly professing our faith in Jesus. And if you're here, you've never done that, we want to give you the opportunity today to do that. We're, we're ready for you today. We have clothes, we have towels, we have everything. So if you're here and you've never publicly professed your faith in Jesus and you're ready to say, I'm going to do it, then do it today. After this service, you can come forward, you can come to my right, to your left, let us know, and at the start of our 11 o'clock service, we'll baptize you and you can let everyone know that Jesus is your Lord. I want you to bow your head with me. I want you to close your eyes. And with your head bowed, with your eyes closed, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you're ready to do that today, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Dear God, I humbly come to you today acknowledging that I am a sinner. I've rebelled against you. I've lived life my way. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I don't want to live that way anymore. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. You lived a perfect life. You died on a cross. You rose from the grave to defeat sin and death for me so I could be forgiven, so I could have a new beginning. Today, Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. I'm trusting you. Come into my life. Take control. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new, I pray. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. 